I want you to open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Let's start there. We'll cover quite a bit of scriptures. Let's see. But mark this. There, okay, this is negative. There will be terrible times in the last days. There will be terrible times in the last days. Well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Imagine Timothy wasn't a clever man and he stopped doing anything because it's the last days. Imagine, this is the problem with people who make dates of when Jesus is returning. If Jesus is coming September, why are you still building a business? Why are we still building churches and working? Just quit, man. Take your last salary, spend it. Jesus is coming. We're expecting Jesus, but we're building as if he's going to take another hundred years. All right. Terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Rico, luister mooi na die woord van die Jere. Jereth me prophesy. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. <sighs> then there's a dash. What does that dash mean? It means it connects it to something else. Watch what it says. Next verse. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have, what does it tell you? Here's an instruction for a church that's supposed to be inclusive. There's a good instruction for a church that just accepts everybody. Have nothing to do with such people. What people? People who look godly but is not. People who profess Christianity but have no power. Let's read that as a community of faithful people together. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. That's in the Bible. And that was written to a youth, Timothy. It wasn't written to Uncle Paul when he turned 90. Actually, he wrote it to young Timothy. Timothy, I think, started when he was about 14 years old. Now, that wasn't his age at this point. At this point, he may have been in his 20s, possibly. Uh, maybe even older. Who knows? But it was still a young Timothy because we know him as young Timothy. He tells him in the letters, do not let, do not let them despise your, your, your youth, your youngness, your age. Do not because you're young, let them tell you you should shut up. That's what he is saying. He's saying to him, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Read my lips. This is what cessationists are. They deny the Holy Spirit. They deny its working. They say that the power of God stopped in the book of Acts with the disciples and no longer was it necessary. That you don't get the gifts of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, prophesying, having miracle signs and wonders happen. You don't have the gift of interpreting of tongues. You don't have the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the working of miracles, gifts of healing. You don't have these things. They stop with the... So all you have is theology. And so they have to boast in big worded theology statements. When you have a big, when somebody has to interject a big word, a theological word into his theological statements is because I question if you have power when you pray. 
I don't know when you pray. There are many that can, because there are people that are smart and are teachers and have to understand these things, but still have, have power in their prayer. But there are many that when they pray, nothing moves. And so the only thing that they can have themselves be puffed up with is a big language. But it's not language that moves heaven. God says, don't think because of your, your long prayers that you're moving God. It's not what moves God. We should not have, this is dead religion. And if somebody tells you, I don't have a, a religion, I have a relationship, you're also wrong. You're also wrong because we do have a religion. It's called Christianity. Our religion is the, the faith in Jesus Christ. And there is repetitious behavior in our faith in Jesus Christ, which we can term religion. It says having a form of godliness, this, this comes from a religious spirit that you have the pretense of knowing God, but you deny its power. When you do all these things, it doesn't help you putting a statement on Facebook that you're a Christian, but the, the crux of Christianity is that I have a deep relationship with God. You can't have a deep relationship with God and not be taught by God. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Can I, can I, can I just talk to you tonight? This morning and this evening seems a little bit different than normal. But you don't have the Holy Spirit, who is God, be called a teacher and you are not teachable. So your relationship begins to fail when the structure of the relationship is violated. You're not equal, so there's not a bi-directional discussion. In other words, when you pray in a tongue, you speak mysteries unto God. God is downloading something into your spirit and revealing things to you. He teaches you. He leads you. You follow him. He is forming you. So your life has to be moldable. And when you are moldable by God, when God begins to teach you deep revelation and God begins to reveal things to you, you can't know God and not have faith that God is going to move in your life. The bigger the revelation you have of God, the more you'll see the the the, the it is, a, it is, a, it is a, it's an outflow of knowing God that you walk in miracle signs and wonders. Okay, let me try and explain what I'm saying. Signs and wonders are all around us. The devil succeeds in sometimes telling you that there is no signs and wonders in your life. He, he, he gets you to believe that God is not working and that God is only working somewhere or out there in the vast emptiness of this world, but not in your own life. This building you're sitting in, if you are included in the, in the family of God, you are saying, I'm a child of God, I'm invested in the kingdom of God, then this church is not merely a building that was built outside of your responsibility, domain of, of influence and responsibility. You're a part of this. Then this is a miracle. You're a part of this miracle. Yesterday, we saw somebody there is a girl here that had cancer last year who, who went, when she went through um, chemotherapy, she, she didn't even lose her hair. There are multiple people in this building who could not fall pregnant and, and now have children. There is another guy in our church who had cancer and a death sentence. He is still alive. We are still praying and fighting and believing that when he goes for his checks in January, that he will be clean. There are signs and wonders all around us. There are many that can argue them away, but I'm going to lean into them. And it's luck. Because, because I used to, before I, I really got to know Jesus properly, good and well, used to go and gamble a lot. As a good person does. So I used to go and gamble a lot. 
I would win sometimes and I would lose sometimes. Christianity is not a gamble. Because even with trading and, and leveraging and playing with cryptocurrencies, I've only lost. So every time you flip the head, somehow it should be a 50-50. I keep on losing in gambling. But when it comes to the church, there is no losing. There is consistent moving forward over a lifetime. This is not gambling. This is God at work. Does that make sense? All right. So, so here, let's go with, to the book of Acts and see where this all begins. Jesus is taken up into heaven. He says, in, in my former book, Theophilus, I, Theophilus, I wrote all about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up, into, up to heaven. This is the NIV. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, suffering, he presented himself to them, gave them many convincing proofs. This is, just, just watch this. Um, Gideon. Gideon is, uh, I, I was listening to a sermon about Gideon. And, and, and an angel appears to Gideon. Gideon is a coward. He's hiding in a cave, threshing um, wheat in a wine press. Because he is hiding from the Midianites. And so an angel appears to him. And so he says to the angel, don't leave. And so he makes him uh, an offering, a, a food basket. Uh, I don't know if it was bread or meat, what he does. And so he touches it. And as he touches it with his staff, this whole meat thing goes up in smoke. And he says to him, okay, if this is really God, give me a sign. So the preacher says of that story, that was a sign. And he's still asking more signs. We are like that with God. God can give you a sign, but if it's not the sign that you wanted, you tell him, give me another sign. We constantly want God to prove himself in our lives, which I don't think is necessary if you pay attention to the small things that surround you. God, watch this. So the Holy Spirit, um, to the apostle, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. If I were to see Jesus, you would, you would think a miracle would be enough, but for many people, a miracle is not enough. But Jesus appeared to people after he was crucified. They saw him crucified. Then he appears to them and he still has to prove himself. This is, this is the life of a Christian. The devil somehow succeeds in causing us to believe that he is not, not real. After he's suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not, on one occasion, while he was still with them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive this gift. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Tram Translations replaces the word with in. So you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you and on you. Okay. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit filled church. Not, not long from now, stay in Jerusalem. Jesus already died. 
He's already resurrected. He says, stay in Jerusalem. Not long from now, you will receive this gift. Now, when you have a birthday, people give you a gift. There is a gift that you really don't have a cooking clue the value of it. There is a gift that is given to you regardless of your skin color. There's a gift given to you regardless of your rank in life, where you were born or where you stay, who your parents were or were not. If you are pretty, not pretty. If, you're, if you are tall, short, skinny or not skinny. This is a gift that God says he gives to every person who believes and trusts God for that gift. That wants that gift, God gives that gift to us. That gift is called the Holy Spirit. This is the gift of all gifts. There is no other gift like this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says to his disciples, you've seen me resurrected. That's not enough. You've seen many proofs and signs that I am the son of God. It's not enough. After all of those things cannot make sense until you have this gift. This gift is a gift that will unwrap every other thing that you've ever heard me say. This gift will make, give you understanding to interpret signs and things that will happen in your lifetime. This gift is the gift that will help you understand my word. Every word that I've spoken, that gift will remind you of it. You don't go anywhere. Wait till you receive that gift. Let me read it to you again. It says, but in a few days you will be baptized. The word baptized is baptizu, which means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You are not going to be like you take a chicken wing. You dip the pinky in the cheese sauce or the chili sauce. This is like a pickle. You put it inside the jar of pickle sauce. What do you call it? Vinegar, vinaigrette, some Italian. You put the pickle inside and the, the vinegar and the stuff goes into the, he says you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So God will take your life and immerse it in the Holy Spirit. You will be covered in the Holy Spirit from head to toe. You're not going to be besprinkled by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to have a little droppy on 3.7 liters of oil was poured on Aaron's head. Three, you, you, you don't have a slight tint of anointing. You'll be covered in the anointing of God. Wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me connect it to you if you're a young person. There is a mountain called the Mahaliskreinberger. I was single as they come. And I was concerned because I knew I wasn't Brad Pitt. I said, Jesus, you know, I've got good taste. But I went up that mountain to pray often. Often I prayed for my wife. But before I prayed for my wife on that same mountain, I used to park my car up there because the church would talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the pastor would preach about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the pastor would sit in a church service. And he would come down the stairs and he would go like, he's a hex. I see you. You're in our service. God is warning you. Like Pastor Louis did a couple of weeks ago. A witch that was in a service. But this pastor would call out the witch. And I would sit there and my mouth would hang open. Because I was a new convert. Just recently saved. I didn't have a cooking clue what he was talking about. I was like, this is amazing. This is like a, a, a DC Universe movie. This is, it's like, what? Foresight! Oxies! Imagine you came here and you're the witch. 
And I saw him call her out. I saw this pastor call out things and my mouth was just hanging open. I just saw things in that church that blew my mind. But I wasn't baptized with the Holy Spirit yet because I was a young convert. And I was excited about Jesus, but I was still working through things. I got baptized. I went up that mountain. I sat in my car. I prayed. I prayed so many nights. I prayed. I said, and I begged God. I said, God, I need the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. The way I grew up Pentecost is not that you, somebody just lays hands on you, you get the Holy Spirit. You had to want the Holy Spirit. You had to have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you, there was a moment when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, prayer after prayer, sometimes it took six months, sometimes it took a year. But when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't wonder about it. You were baptized with the Holy Spirit. You were really baptized with the Holy Spirit. Something would happen in your life. I sat on that mountain. I prayed in my car. I said, God, you got to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit. Get access scene. I concentrated hard. I cried. I cried so many nights begging God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And one night in that car, it wasn't, they laid hands on me often. But one night, I think what happened is in the service they prayed for me, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it. But in that night, there was a breakthrough in my car and I began to pray in other tongues. And something happened in me and I knew that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says to them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. You as a Christian cannot function at the level you should without that gift. I know there are denominations and people who would teach you, you don't need, that's nonsense. It's in the scripture. It's not nonsense. You have to tear out the Bible. You can't read around it. It's in the scriptures. You have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're not baptized with the spirit of David Grobler. You're baptized in the spirit of God. He is God that is, is, is coming into your life in a mighty way. You have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, some would tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same as being saved. I'm going to prove tonight it's not the same thing. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the same as being saved. I'm going to prove it to you. It's in the scriptures. But he says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive, but you will receive power, power, dunamis, dunamis. Good Christians know that the word dunamis comes from the word dynamite, explosive, powerful, dynamite power you will receive. So as a Christian, listen to me, I know the gangster down the road looks all dangerous and gangster-like and he can wear gangster chains and he can have tats of anchors on his shoulder and barbed wire around his calves and he can have a devil on his bourbon, but there is no power like the Holy Spirit power. All of these power things that they think their strength and their, their, their power lies in the horizontal level. The power that he is talking about is a heavenly power. It is the same power that spoke life into existence. It's the same power that was present when creation was made. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that can take a sinner and give him life and purpose. It is the power that can raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. This is the power of God. He says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power, dynamite power. When, when, when you can quote scripture, that's not enough. When you've done Bible school, no, it's not enough. When will you receive the, this power? When the, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay. So you have the Holy Spirit in you, 
and you have the Holy Spirit on you. Now, Aaron didn't drink the oil. The oil wasn't in him. The oil was on him. 3.7 liters of oil was poured out on Aaron's head. He was covered in oil. He goes to church on his, in his best Sunday jammies. And the pastor says, come to the front. He's just bought a new Adidas t-shirt. I've seen the girls. They come to church. They stand in front. They just came from the hairdresser. They have an expensive perm. And we take that oil. We put it on. They walk out this place. The hair stands like that. But they're leaving anointed. They're leaving anointed. Aaron came into the room. When we pour out three points. My pastor, the same pastor, used to joke. He said, some of you are so bad. We can't put olive oil on you. We need to put GTA oil on you. <laughs> Castrol, you need proper oil. When you leave and your oil is dripping from your life, there is a smell that when you walk into a room, there are too many Christians that smell like the world. You smell like a chimney. You don't smell like the Holy Spirit. The devil doesn't see that you're a sinner. He can smell you're a sinner. Y'all. You need a smell of the Holy Spirit. When you wait in Jerusalem, you will receive power. So you as a Christian don't get the power when you get saved. Saved is one step. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is something that happens and has continuously happened. Like your car, your car goes in for a service, they replace the oil. You, it's still a car. It didn't change into a bike. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're saved. But you need a refill of the Holy Spirit oil in your life. You need to have the Holy Spirit in your life. He says you will receive power where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness. You can't be a witness without the power. Because you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. You need the Holy Spirit to be a witness. Because if you don't have the Holy Spiritness, Spiritness, maybe that's a word. You have some, you have some spiritness in you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, what are you witnessing about? That's why many people's testimonies of their work that they've done. Many people's testimonies about their accomplishness, accomplishness. Again, another word. We're inventing words tonight. It's, it's accomplishments that they've done, not what God has done through them. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now watch this. In Luke, um, Luke 10, let's read this. Whoever listens to, to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. This is quite powerful. So we're not supposed to talk to believers about what they do, but the Bible says if they reject you, they reject Jesus. If you're a Christian and really sent by God and talking, when you sit, let me just make this plain and simple. When you don't like the pastor, you might be rejecting God. Yeah, my dad, this is what they say. It's exactly what he's saying. What else do you think it's saying? You can't have Jesus without his people. You get Jesus, you get the church. You don't get Jesus without his church. You can't have Jesus without his people. And he says, if he sends you, if, if you are sent by Jesus and they reject you, they are rejecting Jesus. That's a radical statement. And when they have, kin, uh, where are we? The, the 72 returned with joy. So he sent out 70. Two, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. Who did the demons submit to? To them. Jesus is not offended when you have authority in your voice because he gives you the, you, who does he give the power to? 
Christians act like the power is still in heaven. When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, where's the power? You will receive power. No, if the power is not on you and it's in heaven, then you ask Jesus, would you do the work? No, but you're supposed to do the work. Yeah, but I don't have the power. Yeah, I wonder why. Who's supposed to have the power? Who did the demons submit to? To you. It's not difficult. Quiz, quick quiz. Who does the demon submit to? To you. So you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit is upon you, you have the gift. Who has the gift? Say moi. Tap like moi. I have the power. Not like, what's that? Okay. I don't have time. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power. Demons will listen to you when you have the Holy Spirit in you. They don't listen to you when you don't have this gift. It's like Thanos with the infinity stones, except this is not fairy tale stories. This is you that has the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. God choose you in spite of you. And he says, and they said, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus says to him, I saw Satan fall like, next one, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority. I have given you, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I'm preaching this message to make a declaration into the atmosphere that we have been given all authority and all power to take on snakes and scorpions and that by no means anything shall harm us in Jesus name. Just there where you stand, get on your feet somebody. Would you turn around and say all around me, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm protected by the Holy Spirit. Give him another turn. So I'm protected by the Holy Spirit. Nothing shall come close to me in Jesus name. I declare all authority has been given to me that I need for successful living in Jesus name. One more time say, I am more than an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you all authority. Who has the authority? Me. So much of what the devil is doing to you is not God allowing it, it's you allowing it. It was one night I jumped on my bed and I would, I would just come, we were not even, we haven't had kids yet. I jumped on my bed I, and I, Chanel was still sleeping. I didn't care. <laughs> we're fighting, honey, get on your feet. And I jumped and I rebuked the devil. I do that often when there's something that, that's happening around me. If the Satanist is praying somewhere or whatever they're doing to do, or call, I, I don't know if you can call it praying. When they're chanting and doing, throwing bones and stuff. I would wake up and I would rebuke it. And then I go to my bed and I sleep. Because the Bible says what is not done in faith is sin. I would rebuke it, get back in my bed and sleep and say, stop irritating me. There's the story. I don't know if it was John G. Lake. Woke up, the devil was sitting in the corner of the room. He woke up, he said, oh, it's just you. Turned around, slept again. <laughs> it's not being arrogant. 
is knowing that we are children of God and that God is still in control. He has the final say. The devil couldn't even take Job without Jesus, God saying yes. And at the end of Job's story, he recovered more than double everything he had. God has the final say, not the devil. The devil is not a creator, he is a created thing. God did not make the devil, he made a perfect angel. The angel got proud in himself and rebelled against God and became the devil. And God allowed it even saying that that devil cannot even, he tried to make a birdie turn out a flea. The devil can't make anything. You're allowing him in your life. If your life, if you can't sleep and your children are going berserk in your, well, you're too young to have children. One day when you have children, take oil, put it in their head, on their head, anoint them, pray over their mattress, pray over their cushion, pray over the, if the, your children can't sleep, rebuke the devil. Now you're waiting for Jesus to come into your room and take the devil out for you. He's not gonna. Who did he give the authority to? He says to the disciples. Now he says to them, don't rejoice because demons listen to you. That's a side thing. Watch there. He says, however, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. I'm not happy that demons listen. I'm happy that I'm saved. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a, I might have struggles. I might have issues. I might not be perfect. I might have financial sometimes troubles. I might have sickness. Sometimes I have a zit that I don't need. But I am still a child of God. I'm still a child of God. And even if I die, I still live. That's what God teaches us. That's where we ought to function from, not towards, but from. We function from this position that we are children of the Most High God. Now watch this. Peter denies Jesus. This young girl walks up to him and says to him, Peter, Peter, without the Holy Spirit. Peter has been walking with Jesus for three years. The girl says to Peter, she's, she's a young girl, says to Peter, do you know him? Peter goes, no, I don't know, no. I don't know him. It's like many of us at the office during the day. Anyway, Peter. <laughs> we don't say it like that, but we see a problem and we know the physician, but we don't submit a solution. It's the same as denying him. When you don't testify, he says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. So you think denying him before men is when somebody asks you, do you know Jesus? No, it's when you see somebody need Jesus and you don't submit it because you don't want to break the relationship. Peter denies Jesus. 50 days later in the book of Acts, he says, wait in Jerusalem until we receive power. So the Holy Spirit comes into the room. The Holy Spirit comes into the room. They are all baptized. The Holy Spirit rests on their head like tongues of fire. Now the same Peter, 50 days later, tell me, I don't care what trouble you're in. 50 days is not a lot of time. You can't get a degree in 50 days. How many, how many of you have been struggling for years with issues? 50 days later, the same guy that denied Jesus is preaching and 3,000 people turn to Jesus. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. The same one that Jesus says to him, Satan, get behind me. Satan has asked to sift you. The same one that was sifted by Satan is now saying, this is what you're seeing here. And he quotes, he, here's what he quotes. So anybody that believes that Christianity is just a bunch of rules because that's a half truth. To believe that Christianity is just moots and munis. I don't want to be in that church. It's just a lot of downs and, 
Ek kan nie dit nie, en ek kan nie dat nie, that's nonsense, that's not the truth, first of all. Because they say that we, we tell you what to do, not to do, and who to marry, I, I can't do that. I'm trying to figure out to get my son raised and my children raised. I'm not worried about, I'm not going to tell you marry this person or not this. I'm going to teach you how to open your eyes and then you make the decision yourself. You're a grown person. Choose for yourself. But he preaches and he quotes Joel. He says, these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Why would he say they are not drunk? We're smart people. How many of you have seen a drunk person? So we're not confused. You can discern a drunk, a drunk person, right? So they're not making a judgment mistake when they say the people are drunk. So if anyone tells you, the Bible tells us many times, we go like, but mense fall om, dis weird en is ongemakkelijk. It's, it's weird. We don't want to, f- why are people falling over in the church? Why are people acting drunk with the Holy Spirit's upon them? We want cushy things in Christianity that doesn't offend your ego. It's not pretend to be drunk. They say, you think they are drunk. These people are not drunk. In other words, these people are not drunk. There it is, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's making an appeal to their reasoning ability. It's nine in the morning. Why would they be drunk nine o'clock in the morning? You've seen us walk with Jesus. We don't drink. We, we, we've been, well, even if they did drink, he says it's nine o'clock in the morning. So you, we can't be drunk yet. It's too early. We won't be drunk yet. So they look drunk. Watch what he says next. No, no, no. This is what was spoken about the prophet Joel. Old Testament. In the last days, remember I read to you, Paul writing, Luke writes this in Acts about what happened, mostly about Paul and his exploits and what happened at the Acts church. I wrote to you, I didn't write to you, except in a tweet maybe. I told you that Paul said to Timothy, in the last days will be terrible times. Quoting Joel again. In the last days, in the last days. So anyone that tells you that the last days stopped, how does the last days stop if the last days is not finished? Appealing to reason. God says, I will pour out my spirit on some people, on all people. He's not talking about those on the outside. He's talking about the church and Christians and saved people. Pour out my spirit on all people. What will happen on those people? What will happen to those people? Who are those people? Put your hand on your chest again. That's me. That's us. That's us. Like that song. That's us. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You're a prophet. Not the prophet of the office of the... You can prophesy. You're supposed to prophesy. When you are not dealing with demons, you're not prophesying. When demons come and knock at your house and destroy you with depression and offend your children and strangle you at night, you need to prophesy. You need to tell him, I am a child of God. I declare that I am free and delivered. I am set apart and sanctified. I am bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hands off of my life because my life is paid for. I am not yours, I am his. He is mine, he is my Lord, he is my shepherd, he is my anchor, he is my hope and my refuge. And when you begin to pray like that, he says, the fervent prayer of the righteous revealeth much. What we do is, oh, Jesus, it's a hooky. Stop it. Raise your voice. I don't care if you're an introvert or not. Put that verse back up there. He says, in the last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's an amazing thing. 
even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He is telling them what will happen. We are living in those days. The power of God is poured out as a gift on his, those that confess to Jesus Christ. You have to desire to have the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you do, uh, Matthew 3, Matthew 3, 11, 12, 11, 3, 11, 12, 9, 9, I don't know. Matthew 3. Just go to Matthew 3. It says, uh, I'm not worthy to baptize you, uh, to tie your shoelaces, but one will come after. No, uh, but after me comes one who is more, I will baptize you with water for repentance. That's salvation. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When there's fire inside of you, there are people who have no energy. But there is something about a person who has a fire inside of them. I want to be a person that is filled with the fire of God. That there is a look in my eye and a determination in my step. I, a long ago, I determined, ask my wife, when I was walking through a mall dating Chanel, I would walk fast. And we would talk about it because I'm on purpose. And every step I give is one with intent and purpose. I am going somewhere with my life. I'm not walking slow as if I'm chilling out. I'm not chilling. I have a fire locked up inside of me. This is the result of the fire of God in people's lives. We have a purpose to fulfill. There are souls to win. There is a gospel to be preached. There are demons to be cast out. There are sick people to be healed. There is a declaration to be made that Jesus Christ is Lord. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Watch this. I'm almost done. He says um, in Ephesians 5, 17, we do not be drunk of wine, put that scripture up, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now a drunkard don't drink once. A drunkard drinks regularly. You don't have liquor stores that are pop-up stores. They put anchors down and they stay because the same guy becomes a client. They don't visit once. It's like a barber. They rotate through those doors often. He says, don't be drunk of wine, but be he filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't run dry on oil. Because a car without oil breaks the engine. Don't, be, don't run out of oil. Beg God. He says, we call it in Afrikaans. I don't know what the right word in English would be. He says, kom voor om met jou smeekgebede. Supplication, prayer and supplication. Uh, another word that we use in Christianity, is Christianese, is uh, petition. Petition God. If we were to petition government, it's when we were to write all right letters and go stand in front of the, uh, President Ramaphosa's house and shout, freedom, freedom. <clears throat> we're petitioning the That's how you petition the Holy Spirit, to fill you up with the Holy Spirit. Have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that gives you the power of God to stand against the plans of the enemy and have given you authority against all the different things that can come against your life. You to survive and to thrive as a Christian. If you are unemployed, be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to pray. If you are single, be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to pray. And when you begin to pray, see God change your life. I'm telling you right now, there is no sort. You can, you can sit down with me and have a cup of coffee every week Wednesday. And your life will not change if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Every young person in this room, 
get the Holy Spirit. You think you need an invite to the party. They got nothing on you if you have the Holy Spirit. As a Dwitlupstrad. They are dancing on the tables. Give them six months and they'll be crying in their beds. You can pay attention to this, the girls in your school and the boys in your school who sleep together. They look sexy and cool. Wait till after matric and you see their faces change. You see Ploya. You see it on their face, the despair. And they don't know why they're fighting demons they never had. It's they got it from Johnny. They shouldn't have been drunk with wine. They should have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And they should have told Johnny, you like what you see? Put a ring on it. Here's the proof. While Apollos is Acts 19. Was uh, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How do you get saved? You believe. You are saved by grace through faith and faith alone. When you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. Did you receive, uh, you get salvation when you believe? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So my question would be after verse 12 uh, to, are they saved or not? They believed. If you say they have to receive the Holy Spirit for them to be saved, then you're saying that this works. So they're already saved. When you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They were already saved, but not, not empowered. So I want to submit to you, there is a larger denomination, denominations and many ministries and many people who mean well, but are deadly wrong. You don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you are saved. That's the proof. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Because salvation comes by faith. They believed. If they had to receive the Holy Spirit, that means they would have worked for it. They were already saved, but still didn't. So he says, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to him, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. He says, it's a baptism unto repentance. Uh, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would com come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's call that the salvation then if you disagree with the first one. And when Paul had laid hands on them, when Paul laid hands on them, is laying hands a prerequisite to be saved? No, because you're saved by faith alone. No work. So this has got nothing to do with salvation. Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And what is the sign? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. What, what, if it's normal language, what, what do you think they spoke before they got baptized? Lips only? They spoke with tongues. This tongue, the Bible says, and I'm not going to read it tonight, I don't have time. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 says, I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Get kind of desire. How, what do you do with desire? Some of you are too young to desire anything yet. You desire a new skateboard. You don't know what you need yet. And then you'll desire a polo. 
He says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. There are many movements in the church that denies prophecy because they're afraid of what it does because there is a negative connotation to prophecy. Uneducated, immature prophecy is, and false prophecy is destroying a lot of people. But if you're mature, there's power in it. I'm not going to put down a weapon given to me telling me, okay, put down the gun, take a knife, go fight the devil. Why would I do that? Just because there are three stupid people that doesn't know what prophecy is. Prophecy is not you telling me my ID number. Okay, I'm still sick. He says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I promise you it's going to be short. I lied. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So again, tongue is not Afrikaans, English, Portuguese, Spanish, Mandarin, Hebrew, Greek, Spanish, and Spanish. That tongue is heavenly, but he speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. So if, it, if they were talking in a different human language, people would understand them. Do you agree? No one is like sort of, you see, you're learning how to interpret Bible. What does no one mean? Professors, no. Gifted ones, no. No one. No one understands him. However, the spirit, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exaltation, and comfort. Now, there are multiple gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you don't have access to them without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a prerequisite to have these gifts, and you can't speak mysteries unto God without the gift. So I don't trust your revelation without the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll have the fruit, because you can't have the Holy Spirit and not the fruit. You can't have the Holy Spirit give you prophecy, but not have the Holy Spirit give you kindness. It's a, you can't have the one without the other. So you can't, he say, that's why he says in chapter 14, if you have prophecy, but not love. Find that verse. Where does it say that? First Corinthians 13. So you're right. It's the sandwich scriptures here. Love is sandwiched in between there. First Corinthians 13. That's where he makes the statement. <laughs> Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. So you can't have the one without the other. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you also have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have to desire the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, church. Everything you do is a pursuit after God to have him. To have him, you have the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not offend the Holy Spirit. Do not deny the Holy Spirit. There are many things that we need to know about the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. He is the paraclete. He is the one called alongside us. He is our comforter. He is our help in time of need. He is the one that reminds of all the things we have been taught. He is the one that points us back to Jesus. He is the one that keeps us from inerrancy. He is the spirit of wisdom. He is the one that gives us the knowledge that we need to walk out this journey. He is the one that tells you it's a demon. He is the one that says, rebuke that demon. He is the one that says, fix your marriage. He is the one that says, you need the Holy Spirit. To do this well, you need the Holy Spirit.